BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. My name is Peter Ogburn here for the weekend podcast that we do as part of the Bill Press Show. As you know, we are live Monday through Friday. We put the podcast up Monday through Friday, but there are so many things that we want to talk about these days uh, that we have our weekend podcast for you to take part in. And we appreciate all of you who are listening. So today uh, we are talking about something that we do talk about a lot on the show, and that is the uh, the elections coming up here in uh, just a couple of days. I mean, not not even uh, it's less than a month away. Uh, joining us is Sean McElwee. He is with Data for Progress, a group that is uh, really fantastic and doing amazing work right now. And we want to tell you all about it. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So uh, you know. <sighs> Data for Progress is one of the more interesting things that we've ever seen in politics in this current day and age. You know, I think there are a lot of people in the aftermath of the election in 2016. Uh, everybody just sort of uh, was, you know, apoplectic. They were just completely out of their minds. They didn't know what to do. And you all started this organization that, you know, God damn it, you guys were going to do something. So what is it that you're working on? What is it that you do? I mean... The most recent thing we started was uh, our Give Smart campaign, um, which is we think a lot of people feel almost intimidated about donating candidates down ballot because uh, they just don't feel like they have enough information. You know, it's really hard to figure out, like, what are the swing races in, you know, Arizona State Senate? What are the sort of pivotal districts? Um, so we've been picking right now we have 16 and we're going to expand that even further um, 16 races that could decide the fate of um, control in, you know, half a dozen states from Arizona to Ohio to Michigan. Um, and we're encouraging people to donate. And so far we've raised uh, $400,000 for these down-ballot candidates. Um, and, you know, we're hoping to raise even more. I, I think this is one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. Um, because you're right. I, I will say I'm, I'm glad that Democrats sort of – woke up and realized, you know, oh, it's not all about just winning that presidential prize. Yeah. It is all about the states. Uh, a lot of things are getting done just purely on the on the local level. But again, as you mentioned, uh, it is very intimidating for a lot of people. Ryan Grimm, uh, I saw, was tweeting there was somebody who was working on a Minnesota House campaign. They said that they had around $15,000 cash on hand and then overnight, they got an influx of about $10,000. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things that, like, you know, if I'm living in wherever, California or Texas, and I'm a Democrat, and I want to help out a local legislature somewhere, I'm not necessarily going to be up to speed on a Minnesota House race. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's the sort of gap that we try to fill. And, and the, the, the wild thing is, is, like, that's not even our core uh, area of work, you know, we mostly do stuff like, you know, producing uh, blueprints for how you 
create, you know, a green economy and doing polling on different progressive issues to sort of combat the narratives that these ideas are, are unpopular. Or, or, you know, Democrats shouldn't, should, should be afraid to state their values. And, you know, our argument is actually there's quite a bit of evidence that Democrats should, should state their values and people like um, our policy ideas quite a bit. You know, uh, for those that that don't know the whole story, you know, Bernie Sanders launched his campaign from Bill Press's living room. Bill's been on this issue of centrists are bad for the Democratic Party for a long, long time. And I think a lot of people, especially after the election in 2016... Uh, realized that the, the, the damage that these moderate Democrats and centrists have done to the party. And, you know, I, for, for people who want to follow you on Twitter, and I suggest that everybody does so, uh, at Sean McElwee, um, your, your name is just, we're going to abolish ICE. And there's yeah. no wishy-washy nonsense about, we're, you know, oh, we're going to find a new replacement. for It's just, no, we're going to abolish it. We're going to get rid of it. Yeah, and um, the other thing that I think is, is like, there's this idea of what's bipartisan and centrist in Washington, D.C., yeah. and then there's the idea of what's bipartisan and centrist based on, like, actual public policy opinion polling. So one of my favorite things is, like, one of the most popular bipartisan policies we pulled is uh, stripping pharmaceutical companies of their patents, and then the government just producing generic versions uh, of those drugs itself. Right, and, like, this is wildly bipartisan. Um, Trump voters love it, Clinton voters love it, third-party voters love it, non-voters love it. But, like, you never see any centrist, third-way organization that wants to find, like, something that all Americans can support be behind this policy because it would be a, a massive threat to, you know, their, their corporate interests and their donors and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's actually, it turns out there's a lot of policies like this. Um, punitive fines for the companies that created the opioid crisis is... Uh, incredibly popular, um, gearing, guaranteeing every American who wants one a job has massive support among Republicans and Democrats. Um, but these, these ideas are sort of systematically pushed out of our discourse in favor of ideas that are called bipartisan, like cutting Social Security, that in fact have absolutely no support among Republicans, Democrats, independents, non-voters, uh, any Americans. How... How did we get to that point? You know, I mean, we talk all the time about Republicans constantly voting against their self-interest, but it's even worse than that. They're voting against and they're electing people who promise to enact very unpopular ideas. Yeah, I think that we haven't, as, as Democrats expressed, haven't done a very good job of running on the issues that would sort of um, change the way that the party is viewed in the minds of a lot of voters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, we, we had another policy that we found was wildly popular. Um, it was Internet for All. And we got the idea because we watched, um, you know, a friend of mine, Abdul Al-Sayed, who, who, who ran for governor of Michigan, like, talked about the idea. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting idea. I wonder how, how well it pulls. And it turns out it pulls really, really well. But, like, we don't really talk about it that much. Um, we have a lot of these ideas that I think uh, we could end up using that would win over rural voters. Um, but we sort of refuse to make them a core part of our policy platform. Um, and instead we sort of prefer to, you know, talk a lot about tax credits. And, right. Well, you uh, know, I think social security and stuff like that. We, we spent a lot of time talking about specifically in the, in the, uh, 
Georgia governor's race, right? 53,000 voters being disenfranchised. And it's amazing that they can get away with that. But I was saying today, like, Democrats have not done a great job of talking about these horrible voter laws and and voter or voter ID laws. And Republicans can go out there and it sounds on paper and in message, it sounds like a perfectly reasonable thing. Like, yeah, you should have an ID to vote. Right. Which is it's so much more nefarious than that. Right. But that's what they can hide behind because they're getting no opposition from the Democrats. Yeah, I think too often we are afraid to. uh you know, do the very radical thing in this country, which is speak the truth about what's going on. I don't know. Like, I saw a tweet today that apparently Chuck Schumer had won a TV show, and it's been, like, saying that a big problem America faces is, like, too much political correctness. And I'm just like, you have, a, you have like, a chance to sort of, like, say something to the national interior. Like, tear your hair out. Like, yeah. we're in a really bad spot. If Republicans win the House, like... They're going to cut Social Security, they're going to cut Medicare, and they're going to do it despite having won fewer votes. There's no question, no no question that Democrats will win more votes in the House this cycle. The only question is, will that their, their margin be enough to overcome the massive gerrymandering um, that exists? Like, even with all the voter suppression, they're still going to get more votes. The question is, can they beat both the voter suppression and the gerrymandering at the same time? And, like, we should be tearing our hair out about the fact that if we do not, uh, like, old, like, like, older folks will die because yeah. they will have their, their incomes, you know, cut. They will have their health care cut. Um, and, and it's, like, it's wild that Republicans just, like, sort of lay this out there. And, like, Democrats don't seize this. They just, like, attack them every day. Right. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, uh, everybody should check out. Uh, it's dataforprogress.org. Dataforprogress.org. We'll also have a link uh, in the description of the podcast. Uh, and follow them on Twitter at Data Progress. And you can follow our guest, Sean McElwee, who is on Twitter at Sean McElwee, M-C-E-L-W-E-E. Um, so... Well, let's talk a little bit about this campaign to flip sure. some state houses, if we could. How did you all um, determine who was going to get this money, and and how does this work? If people want to, people who are listening, uh, if they want to yeah. get involved, how does it work? And then where? How are you deciding where their money goes? Yeah. So um, the first initial candidate uh, of Gibbs Park, there were eight candidates, um, and that was our sort of uh, election analyst and guru, Bobby Bigwheel, um, at Bobby Bigwheel on Twitter, spends a lot of time talking with um, local officials, um, organizers, um, race watchers. Uh, He has people who are sort of political experts in every state that he consults with. Um, And he basically decided to figure out what are the most flippable chambers. And within those chambers, what is the district that is most likely to decide control of that state legislature. Um, and so we directed candidates to those eight. Um, and then we had such an influx of support that we started reaching out to sort of other progressive activist groups. Um, so one group was Every District, one group was Launch Progress. And we said, hey, send us lists of your candidates, and then we're going to sort of vet them. And, and we didn't include all the candidates they sent us. Uh, but, it, but if we sort of agreed with their analysis that these were like key pivotal races, um, we, we rolled that out as part of Give Spark 2. And uh, today, actually, basically, as soon as I get off this call, uh, we're going to launch Give Smart 3, 
which is um, and another group of around six candidates in um, <clears throat> North Carolina, Ohio, and Michigan. Um, and, you know, in North Carolina, there's this current, there's a Democratic governor, but there's a Republican supermajority, so they can override his vetoes. Uh, and we're going to try to break up that supermajority. Um, and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to, <clears throat> we basically, we, we don't do likely D seats um, because, you know, they, they don't need help. They're, they're good to go. We don't do seats if there's already uh, a lot of evidence that the Democrat is, is basically as funded as they're going to need to be. Um, we also don't do seats if we, if we think that the chances of winning are, are too low. Um, because what we want to do is we want to basically give people the opportunity to put their money on the, the race that we think is the top up that's going to end up deciding control of the chamber. And, you know, this is, this is what we do with the House, right? Yeah. And we, we can do it with the House because, like, Nate Silver designs, you know, a model that tells us, like, what are the House districts that, um, that you should target? Um, and yet we don't do that with state legislatures. We, there's no sort of – if you want to find out where to donate to, there's no really easily accessible way for you to find out, like, Arizona, North Carolina, Michigan, Pennsylvania – where should, I, where should I get my money? Yeah, no, I, you know, again, I, I mentioned this when we started out. It's just for so long, Democrats didn't worry about anything because they had the presidency, right? With eight years of Barack Obama, and everybody was just fine with that. And the state legislatures that Democrats lost under those eight years are enough to make you just go absolutely crazy. And so. Granted, we eventually got the picture. Democrats got the picture and said, "Okay, we we we've got to do something." But um, y'all are taking it a step further and actually like really putting that to use. Um, and I would say though that I, I mean, like the intercept piece was really interesting, right? Because like it was like amazing to see Gisbert have this impact, but it was yeah. also sort of terrifying to be like, "Wait a minute!" Like we we are very certain that these districts are very important district yeah how is how are these candidates like not fully funded yeah no i had the like, same thought. I, I was just totally i was sort of like is there no one who's like on the lookout like is there no one watching watching over the, the hen house to make sure that like these these candidates are getting the resources they need to win these elections like how is it just like me and a couple friends. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think it speaks to sort of where we are now with politics. And it gets to, like, the small dollar donations that sort of helped fuel uh, Bernie Sanders almost uh, being the, the Democratic nominee. And, and, this, and, and you look at, like, Beto O'Rourke, uh, who is raising a ton of money off of small dollar donations. And people are happy to give small dollar donations, even if they don't necessarily... Uh, do the you know the actual legwork to figure out where the money is going to go. They just leave it up to big brains like y'all to figure out where it goes. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I, we're hoping that this. I mean, we, we're we're planning to take the momentum. You know, we're going to do a couple more rounds, and then. But we're also hoping that you know, in the next cycle, this can become even more sort of like formalized. Um, you know, we have a lot of organizations that now are encouraging people to run, um, but I think that there are very big gains to be made in terms of helping people understand better um, how they can spend their money best, uh, particularly down ballot, where there's just so little information um, that's available. 
so I would direct people to go to dataforprogress.org or your Twitter feed, data at data progress, uh, where you all will have links where they can donate to this. Um, anybody who wants to get involved in the upcoming elections, this is one of the best ways that you can do it. Just put your money where your mouth is and then let uh, people like Sean McAway and the good people at Data for Progress figure out where to put it. Uh, Sean, and unlike th- in a Senate race, you know, $20 goes a lot further. Oh, yeah. No, it's totally. Like going to, to canvassers and stuff, not expensive television ads. So right. money is just going to go so much further. Right. Uh, Sean, I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, everybody, remember to subscribe to the podcast uh, if you're listening. We put out shows six days a week, Monday through Friday, and then over the weekend. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be here in just another couple of days.